right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom, the post combine edition. Ben and I have ate a vegetable. We have even <laughs> slept an hour or two <laughs> since getting back from Indianapolis. Ben, how are you feeling in your post combine glow here? It always surprises me how long it takes to bounce back from the combine. And then this year we got slapped in the face with, hey, free agency is like six or seven days in a row. So screw you and get back to it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the Tuesday after the combine. We had just gotten back like, I don't know, two days before. And I messaged you. I'm like, uh, I think we have to start our free agency preview today because it's coming up next week. It's an insane turnaround. It didn't used to be scheduled that way. And then some very bad people got a hold of the NFL schedule and put the combine right next to the next to free agency. And I thought I could just take like 48 hours to kind of digest what I had just learned. Nope. Right back to it. You better figure out what eight string quarterback is on the market. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's a weird <laughs> dynamic for us just because like fan interest is so high in the draft stuff and the combine. And now we're both sitting on a mountain of combine material, draft material, quotes and interviews we did throughout our, you know, five days in Indy. But right now we're shifting to for agency. It's just like a weird dynamic that I haven't fully wrapped my head around. <laughs> uh, so Ben, we released our mock draft 2.0s this week. We didn't do our 1.0s too long ago, but there's just so much dust settling, I guess, that happens during the combine, especially after the combine. And, and just to underscore what I said, I think, in the last pod, which is you know, our last mock, mock draft pod, which is, you know, there's more dust settling for us in the media and for fans. The, the clarity that we get from the combine, from talking to these guys, from interfacing with these guys, getting a feel for their vibes and what they're about. And of course, you know, there's the meetings they have with teams and then the on-field stuff. And so we get some clarity on, okay, so this guy really is like this fast or or not. Or, oh, hey, so I talked to this guy and he just does not seem like a fit for the Lions who have a pretty predefined fit they're looking for. But the teams, they've been watching these guys for a year or two. They already know all this stuff, you know? I, I mean, largely, I, I think the, the combine process is more affirming that it is anything revelatory, at least for the good teams. And of course, there's some guys who might stand out. I think Anthony Richardson, for example, like everyone knew he was a freak. But when you see this guy chiseled out of stone, <laughs> walk into Indianapolis and run faster than DeAndre Swift and throw harder than every other <laughs> in his class, people will sit up straight and take notice. No, I think that was the first thing Aaron McMahon, our colleague who covers Michigan, said when he got in the car. He's like, did you guys see Anthony Richardson? It's just like, yeah, dude. Like you said, he's like built like a linebacker and runs like a gazelle. We both had him in our top five, so it clearly resonated with us to bump him up because, I mean, there's he was the talk of the town, man, and you take one look at that kid and you're like, okay, there's, there's something going on here for sure that, that we have not really seen at that size and speed. I was in the convention center, which is where they have all the press conferences with players. And I heard a commotion behind me and I looked back and it's Bryce Young. He's talking to a kid in a wheelchair and it was a nice moment. And so he's on ground level with me. He's not like up on a podium or super far away. Like I laid eyes on him from like five or 10 feet away. And I'm just like, oh my God, he is so small. And I don't just mean short, I mean yeah. small. Like, I've been around a lot of football players. I've been next to Drew Brees. Yeah. Bryce Young is smaller, <laughs> for sure. I can understand why why the concerns exist. And Ben, like, 
I, I don't know, five or 10 minutes later, probably, probably 10 minutes later, Anthony Richardson, I think, spoke maybe a half hour after Bryce Young on the podium. In the middle, like, I think while Bryce was even talking on his podium, I heard Anthony Richardson behind me. He was doing the Sirius XM stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, with lines, connection, possible connection, whatever, there's a lot of debate about it. I'm like, I, I got to go just, I'm just going to go lay eyes on him and watch yep. him for a little bit before he does his interview. And man, like, I, I was pretty impressed. He was just sitting there talking to some guys or whatever. And then he stands up. <laughs> it was, I'm not even kidding. I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> this dude is chiseled. Like he's not, again, it's not just, when I'm just talking about tall and short, I mean, yeah. thick build, like just um, muscles popping out of his muscles. And then he goes into the combine. He runs, what was it? 4.3. I mean, yeah. So yeah. A great little teaser for our guest today. So Kent Platt is a Lions fan. He goes by Math Bomb on Twitter. A lot of folks know him. He developed this great metric that we'll get into later in, in the podcast. It's called RES, Athletic Score, and which has gained a lot of traction in NFL draft circles. It basically compares a player's measurables, the size, speed, strength, all that stuff that you get on the draft process, and compares it to all of the players at that position and puts it on a 10-point scale. So a 10.0 is the best ever in terms of all of those measurables. A zero would be the worst ever. And I think you can understand it, it from there. And Anthony Richardson, Ben, 10.0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. It's just that thing you hear from old school football coaches and even wrestling circles. It's that off the bus factor. When a guy steps off the bus, what do you think he does? When Bryce Young steps off the bus, you're not sure. When Anthony Richardson steps off the bus, you're like, that dude gets paid to do something cool. Like, so absolutely. And just very excited for our guest today because yep. like, like the rest of the NFL world, I mean, RAS, like it's awesome to kind of get Kent front and center here because the tool he has created is used far and wide by beat writers to national analytics alike, like anywhere in between. So it's a really cool get and Hey, he's got a lot of Lions information on him too. But I mean, one of my favorite things he does is when he takes a freak and he like puts him at different positions and stuff. So just like, I can't wait to get into some of that with Ken. So that's a perfect, perfect time to talk to him. It's a little bizarre because I've known him through Twitter for a yeah. really long time. He's a Lions fan. He's a, he, I, I don't know where he's from. Like, I, I want to like talk to Ken and understand more about him because it's just yeah. been really interesting to watch his trajectory from this guy that I knew as a Lions fan on Twitter to a inventor of a interesting yeah. metric that I thought was pretty interesting like years ago to now it's like I'll be like just trying to do draft research and I'll just see stories casually saying Anthony Richardson's RAS blah 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 like it's really like become I would say institutionalized and in draft analyst analysis you know so yeah good stuff we'll get to that in the back end of of the program with Ken Ben first we we as I said before we dropped our, our mock 2.0s coming out of the combine there's been a lot of dust settling we've seen Anthony Richardson <laughs> We've seen Anthony Richardson. Um, so I want to go through this just like we did before. I think it's a little bit, it's compelling and it, it helps me understand better you know, what we have in our hands here with the, with the draft. The Lions have two picks in the top 18. I strongly considered a, a trade up for them at 18, by the way. <laughs> we'll get into that. I guess first, Ben, let's go with pick one because we do have a divergence here. So I guess we can just start there and quickly get through this and we'll get to the Lions stuff because I know that's what the people want to hear. So with... Your first pick, you have the Texans trading up from two to one, which I like a lot for the Bears because, you know, you still get your guy while picking up resources and you have them taking Bryce Young. So I guess just briefly, because we've kind of already touched on it anyway, why I think we'll understand why 
a team like Houston is trading up to one for a quarterback, I guess why stick with Bryce Young over Anthony Richardson? And I guess real specifically, you have Stroud, CJ Stroud falling from, I believe, four in your 1.0 to number seven coming out of the combine. Was there something you didn't like about CJ Stroud at the combine? It just kind of reinforced kind of my feelings on CJ Stroud and kind of Richardson came out and I felt like Richardson did enough to kind of put himself in that conversation to be top five to add a little more than Stroud. You know, I'm not enamored with quarterback rushing stats in college because it's a much different game, but Stroud's kind of like unwillingness to run or to create outside of the pocket. I mean, when you talk about a guy that like concerns with his game or how long he sits in the pocket, that Ohio State offense of just having three NFL wide receivers run verts for yeah. you, like there's going to be a transition to the stage. I think he's got the best shot of those Ohio State quarterbacks to be a legit NFL starter. But I just look at Anthony Richardson and compare him to a Stroud or compare him to a Will Levis. And it's like, there is, there's something more to unlock here. I mean, you pair that just freak of nature ability and like durability just like provides a higher ceiling on every single play. But back to Bryce Young, I still have him as my top quarterback. I still have him as the top guy in this draft, any position. I just think the things he can do with his arm inside, outside of the pocket, that is the type of playmaking ability you're looking for. I have concerns about his size, but it's more of the Kyler Murray sense of like, is this guy going to be able to hold up for a full season two years from now? And so there are more challenges to kind of create an offense around him to kind of talk to your offensive lineman about how to block for a guy like this. I mean, there's going to have to be some interesting elements added to that offensive play calling because this guy is so small and he needs to see over his lineman. But my goodness, he's just got that special elastic arm. I'm not going to compare him to Patrick Mahomes like others have done, but like that special, potentially elite arm talent, no matter where he is, just screams from his game, screams from his game more than it does anybody else. So I think Bryce Young, his arm, it's all about his arm, that elasticity to it, just special playmaking ability. I, I think it warrants the risk. I think if you're going to take a big risk, that's the guy you want to do it with. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just don't know too much about Bryce Young's arm because he didn't do anything at the combine. And of course, I know a lot about Bryce Young's arm. I'm just being, I'm just being pissed. <laughs> I don't like the games that Bryce Young is playing. It, to me, very transparent. We all know the deal on his size. I would respect him so much more if he would just say, listen, this is what I am. Look at the tape. But he's not doing that. He, he comes to the combine <laughs> weighing quote unquote, 204. And I don't say it's quote unquote, because I, I, because I doubt he weighed 204 at the combine. I, I, it's clear he's eaten his face off for two months and it's not playing weight. You know, I, I think he played, I think I saw reports that scouts believe he's around like 190 when he was playing. He's at, at 204 now. It's a huge difference when you're 5'10 and a quarter. So he's He's almost, he's closer to five nine than anything else. He he's a little fella, and again, I would just I would respect him. He's just like this is who I am. Here is my tape. I was the best quarterback in America for two years. Draft me. Let me change your franchise. But that's not what he's doing. He's coming to the combine and saying, "Hey, look at me. I'm two hundred and four. Don't worry really <laughs> about my size. By the way, I'm not going to throw. See you at the pro day, where I guarantee you, Ben. He's not going to weigh in. <laughs> you no know? chance. It's, it's, it's like I said in my in the mock. It's a mirage. It's a fictional. 510, 204, which itself, by the way, is unprecedented for success from a first round quarterback. I think only three guys, 510, have ever been drafted through quarterbacks in the first round. They were Mike Vick, I'm forgetting the other guy, and Johnny Manziel. And Bryce Young is by far the lightest of the three. And the only guy who had any success was Mike Vick. And we all know what happened there. But yeah, 
I only, I have Bryce Young at two. I, it's the first time I've dropped him. I just don't like what he's doing. And I think what he's doing reveals to me not only the concerns that exist in the game about his size. Again, there's no precedence for success from a guy like that at, at quarterback, not that small. But clearly he's concerned about it too. Mm. I mean, he's playing games rather than just focusing on ball and convincing teams about what he's about. If he falls out of the one spot, then it's not going to be a pass two. It's just yeah. not going to happen. It's We're not talking about some giant, I don't know, like free fall. But I have CJ Stroud at number one. And I, I mean, he was... Amazing as a passer at Ohio State. I think it was 85 and 14, his touchdown to interception ratio. And I really liked what, I, I mean, he, he confirmed, again, the combine is confirming. He went to the combine. He's like, hey, this is what I am. I can throw the ball. I'm going to do it. And he did it. And it was amazing. I mean, he was the best passer there. He showed good touch at all levels, accuracy on the deep ball. I just think, you know, and I have Indianapolis taking him at one, by the way. And I, I think there will be a trade for that number one pick. And it's, a crapshoot, whether it's going to be Houston, like you have, that could totally be it. It could be Indianapolis, Las Vegas, uh, Carolina's in the top 10. It could move up. Uh, I had Indianapolis. I just think they have struck out so hot at quarterback. Yeah. They're going to say F it. And, 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 and they'll have the right combination of desperation and resources to, to make a move from four to one. And I just think, again, after so many swings and misses, like it could be Bryce Young. Bryce Young was a great college player. I honestly think at this point, there might be fewer questions about Stroud and that a regime, an ownership that has swung and missed so many times might just say, this guy we know the most about at this point, and we're going to draft him and Shane, Shane Station can, can do his thing like he did with Jalen Hurts. And I think that's the direction they're going to go. But we'll oh. see. We'll see. Yeah. Exactly. We got <laughs> one at the top of the board, though. <laughs> no doubt. So, yeah, we have very similar top fives. Once again, let's see. You, there's one difference, right? Yeah, you had Tyree Wilson going three, which I like because Tyree Wilson is amazing. Yeah. I still think the quarterback-driven movement will knock him down just a little bit. That's that's how I have it. I have him going number six to Detroit. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, I, so you went with... Devon Witherspoon. So let's start there because I just talked a bunch. And you went with Devon Witherspoon in your first mock as well, I guess. And, and we didn't see him work out at the combine. There's nothing to, to fret about there, Ben. It was just a minor hamstring thing that was flagged. And it's no big deal. It won't affect his draft stock whatsoever. But it did mean we didn't get to see him. We didn't get to hear from him. I'm just curious why you love Witherspoon so much. And I think anyone who's watched the tape can understand why. Again, just explain for us why you're so heavy on Witherspoon for Detroit, because that's a pretty, it's a pretty good fit. It's, he's one of those guys that I went into the week knowing, you know what, don't get lost in his athletic testing. You know, he's not going to test off the charts like a Christian Gonzalez is going to, like he's not going to have those sexy numbers. And then he did me a favor and didn't test at all. So it didn't really change my mind at all there, but he's <laughs> just so sticky. He's a feisty cornerback that looks like pissed off every time you don't have him in press man coverage. I just like getting to talk with Aaron Glenn for 20, 25 minutes in Indianapolis. Like, I don't know Devin Witherspoon. Like you said, I had to find a tape of his press conference because it was happening as we were talking to the Lions assistants after he was a little late. But like the way he plays the game, aggressive, swagger, fearlessness. He's like a hundred. He's like, he hits so far above his weight class that they're going to have to chill this dude out in the preseason and training camp. I feel like I, I just think he would kind of provide them that kind of like foundational versatility in the secondary they kind of need, the kind of what they were looking for when they took Okuda a couple of years ago. But like I said, this would allow the Lions to move Okuda around more, maybe in the slot, maybe as a box safety more, where he played his best, like closer to the line. 
inside the box. I think that's a plus of it. But also, Witherspoon's going to be left alone on one side of the field. I'm not saying he's going to be Sauce Gardner. Never expect a rookie cornerback to be Sauce Gardner. What he did last year was crazy. But, like, he is someone that looks like he can delete a side of the field for you and let you play the way you want to play. I mean, he was targeted 62 times last season. 22 catches, no touchdowns, 25.3 passer rating. And this one, for me, to Kimes dug up. When he was the primary defender in coverage, QBR of 5.2. Like, he was just a deleter. Just a deleter. And I just think he brings that kind of swagger, that fearlessness. Hard hitting. He's not afraid to come up in the box and make tackles. And I just think he's got that unteachable thing. He knows how to keep pace. He knows how to keep kind of step with wide receivers, even with some of his deficiencies and top burner speed. I just, like you said, the fit. I, I had him as the top defender and fit left on my board there at that point. So I just was like, I'm in love with this dude. And it's just so easy to see that fit. I was just getting curious when you were talking, Ben, about the hit rate of top, you know, top six, top 10 corners. And it's not great. It can be a difficult position to project, but guys who go that early tend to be the real deal. We'll see on Stingley from last year, but Sauce is obviously, yeah. you know, I, 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 it would be expletive waiting if I, <laughs> that he's amazing. He talks such a big game, but yep. he has such a big game. But that's, I mean, those are two guys who look at the real deal from last year. The previous season, the top 10 corners were J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain. Good, really good players already. Yeah. The last guy to, to, to miss yeah. that high, Jeff Okuda. Just a little side note there. Yeah, to your point on Witherspoon, though, he, he was terrific at Illinois. I'm not sure what they have in the water there in the DB room at yeah. Illinois, but it's clearly something good because Kirby Joseph, real deal. Sidney Brown, yeah. And the safety in this draft out of Illinois, real deal. <laughs> and Witherspoon is a top 10 prospect. I had him going 10th. You had him at, at six to Detroit. 22 catches allowed last season from Witherspoon on 62 targets. That's insane. That's 206 yards and no touchdowns and a 25.3 passer rating, which, I mean, the quarterback would have had a high, You have a higher rating throwing to the dirt on every way, and that's a real statistic. But my favorite number from Witherspoon, three interceptions and 14 breakups last year. So that's 17 balls that he got his hands on versus 22 catches allowed. <laughs> that's unprecedented stuff. I mean, it's just... I mean that's freaky. It's freaky. I, I do wonder, and I wrote this in my mock, I wonder if the depth of this cornerback class, and I don't know about the total cornerback class, but I know like yeah. The day one, day two guys is really, really deep. It's really, there is some really good players. So if you're the Lions, for example, like you would love Devon Witherspoon. And I'm with you. Like the tape, it's not only confirming these numbers that we're talking about. It's, it goes beyond that. Like he plays with that edge and physicality that they want. He's definitely a fit. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And in your case, Ben, in your mock, where you have CJ Stroud there at number six, man, it would not surprise me. I would totally be on board with the Lions sliding back a spot or two and let someone else take Stroud mm-hmm. and then you take Witherspoon or another one of these corners. And and that's the point that I was driving at is that there's a bunch of these guys that are freaky. Christian Gonzalez, I would be just as happy with for Detroit. I, I'm That's just as much as a, of a fit. They're different players. Mm-hmm. Gonzalez is bigger and faster, whereas Witherspoon is like, I would say tougher and more physical and his numbers are a little better, but you can't go wrong with those two guys. I have them both in the top 10 or top 11, my mod, but then there's Joey Porter as well. And there's Cam Smith yeah. and Deontay Banks. And so 
that's kind of where my thinking was at number six. I, I definitely heavily considered Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez both, and I think they're both going to be on the short list for Detroit. I think that you get a better total haul if you're Detroit, if you're set at six and 18, if you get a top end pass rusher at number six, which is something they want. I know the defensive linemen, they want to build through the, the trenches. We've seen that repeatedly. And then you can come back at 18 and you can still have not only probably one corner there who is a day one guy who fits what you're trying to do, but is a, is a massive upgrade over everything you have, but maybe even multiple guys of a Deontay Banks or something like that is, is also there. And so that's kind of the direction I'm thinking in my mocks right now. And of course it's contingent on what happens in the top five. But I think with Anthony Richardson blowing up, then I think it, it's inevitable we're going to see at least three quarterbacks in the top five. I do have three QBs that in my top five. And in my thinking, Ben, that's kind of like the magic number. Like two is okay, but you're going to lose out on a number of the top, top defensive guys, which I think is all things being equal where Detroit wants to go in this draft. If there's three QBs in the top five, along with presumably Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, then you're talking about Tyree Wilson falling to the Lions. So I, he's your number three guy on your, on, in your yeah. mind. He's number six in mind. He is, according to some analysts, like he is right there with Will Anderson as the best edge rushers in this draft. I saw him at his podium at his press conference, and the man, he is built like Romeo Aquara, but taller and longer, which is crazy because Romeo is a, a massive dude. Mm. And he's obviously a better athlete. Like he, he's teased to me, Romeo Quora plus plus, you know, he's just a premium long guy. He's six, six, I believe, but his wingspan is 86 inches. That's basically Giannis and Giannis is six eleven. just to give you an idea of how incredibly long and freaky this guy is. And beyond that, been great production and not only great production from his edge rusher, but from the interior as well. He bounced up and down the line at Texas Tech. And I just think about what the Lions have done throughout this regime, really targeting very versatile, very aggressive, very nasty frontline players, guys like Panay Sewell. Like this is the kind of guy they want to build around. Guy like Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, we left the combine last year, you and I, basically knowing <laughs> that they were targeting Aiden Hutchinson because of the way they were talking about this guy. Like, I mean, maybe to an extent on the record, but especially off the record. It wasn't hard to understand their intentions, what they wanted to build and how they wanted to build it. And to me, Harry Wilson is one of those guys. I don't know if he's going to be there because everyone else sees the same thing. And, you know, maybe someone will prefer him over one of the quarterbacks in the top five. But I think if he's there at six, I just think you get more value out of a high, another high-end pass rusher to add to that stable that you already have with yeah. Hutchinson, with James Houston, with Josh Paschal. And I think at that point, your pass rush hit the level that we haven't seen basically in the post and Dominican Sioux era. Mm -hmm. And that was where my thinking was. Any thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like if an Anderson or a Wilson falls to six, don't even, don't even think about it. Like that's the, that's one of the best players on this board. And I mean, I got Wilson at pick three to the Cardinals because I just watched how Jonathan Gannon got that job by like an unrelenting, versatile pass rush. And you look at Tyree Wilson, I love that comparison because he is a souped up, souped up Romeo Aquara. And that's someone who had 10 plus sacks two, two or yeah. three years ago and got himself a big extension. So that's, that's, that's hearty praise, but no, Tyree Wilson, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just like picturing that on the other side of Aiden, it's like, I don't, I, I know people are kind of trying to pretend like edge isn't a position of need. Like, I, I don't know how you could feel set with what the Lions have. What they have now is promising. It's good. 
It's got a chance to be above average. You add a Tyree Wilson to that, you're looking at like a potentially top of the line pass rush. And that's how they want to build this thing. If a guy like that is, like you just said, like that's the type of guy that infuses and takes his defense to the next level. I just don't have either of them on the board. So that's why, I mean, I'll just get that straight. You've heard me rant and rave about Devin Witherspoon, but if a Carter or an Anderson or a Wilson is there, those are the guys. Those are the three guys right there. Yeah, I totally agree. And I don't think Jalen Carter falls to six despite his <laughs> no parade <laughs> into the Georgia legal system. <laughs> you know, they're, they're that, as bad as the situation is, and it's really bad. Heartbreaking. Really yeah. distasteful. But as bad as it is, it is they are two misdemeanors. I think that's worth pointing out. Having mm-hmm. spacing, reckless driving, and I don't know, something else. And they're, they're misdemeanors. And this is the NFL where talent rules all you know, for better or worse and oftentimes worse. But, you know, it, it, his talent is such that he's not going to, if he falls, it's not going to be a, a deep fall. And if you were there at six, it's a very interesting position for Detroit because they're not trying to build their thing around guys like that. But guys like that can completely mm-hmm. transform who you are defensively. So it's a, it would be an interesting proposition. I just don't see it happening. I'm with you there. Yeah. To your, to your point, I'll make one more point on this and then we'll move on to our, our picks at 18. To your point, Pat, I think you make a really good one that, yes, you have Aiden Hutchinson and, and James Houston and some of the, the blowback that I've heard from people and my approach to my mocks with the pass pressures at the top is you already have these guys, Hutchinson and Houston. There's a greater need at quarterback and that's all true, but smart teams, you, you, you don't let immediate needs drive your decision making of course it factors into the equation and significantly so but you're trying to build out an entire roster and there's more to be concerned you have to be concerned by more than just like oh who do we need to plug in right now okay let's go get that position okay now what's our next position i mean oh this one so let's go get this other guy that's not a good way because you might run into for example a year where you need a tight end so you draft eric ebron but you're like saying no thanks on Aaron Donald and no thanks on Taylor Lewan because your tight end was a bigger need. I mean, that's that's problematic thinking. And people will always remember you as the team that missed on Odell and Aaron Donald, not the team that plugged an immediate need for the season. And so, and so that's why good teams, smart teams, don't draft like that. And there are premium positions like pass rusher and to some extent cornerback where you can never have enough of those guys. That yeah. And it's true, especially at pass rusher more than anywhere else because you're rotating those guys. And I, I mean, we have sound from Aaron Glenn at the combine talking about this very issue. So let's just, I guess let's just cut to that real quick to kind of confirm what, what we're talking about here. Just my own personal belief is you always build a defense with defense alignment and corners. So we always look for that. You know, that's just what I believe in. Because um, you can never have enough of those guys. You can never have enough guys that's uh, stout and they can play the run. You can never have enough guys that can get up the passer. You can never have enough guys that can cover the receivers. I mean, we all understand how this league is going now. So um, we have to do everything we can to continue to add and upgrade. Um, and every team does that. And that's not a bad thing to say. You know, I don't care who you got. You're always trying to upgrade your team some way, somehow. And, um, and I know for a fact that's Dan and, and, and Brad's mentality. It's all about upgrading. Yeah, then. So I like that. They're so transparent. It's like, hey, we'll take anything. Even a quarterback, the right one is there. You know, we'll, we'll see. But what we want is to improve our defense. And how we want to build our defense is right here. I mean, they're, they're not being obtuse here. Like, they're, they're straight up to say, we want pass rushers. We want cornerbacks. This is how we view our defense and how we want to build our defense. You know, the Lions have needs in both of those positions. And we both hit those positions just in different, different. <laughs> yep. So let's get to pick 18, Ben. I'm bringing it up right here. Just 
went live this morning. So you got Lucas Van Ness <laughs> again. <laughs> Big changer here. Oh, it's like talking to paint. In <laughs> <laughs> two picks is my one, but that's okay. I like the consistency. So, so Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa, started zero games, but a very good player and a first round prospect. What is it about Lucas Van Ness that you are so fancy on for, for Detroit? I had everything I thought about this guy confirmed to me, and then more in Indy. Just, I mean, sophomore earned his nickname of Hercules. I mean, a chiseled up 6'5, 272. Biggest hands among all defensive line. When we talk about hands, we never talk about the big hands. This dude's got 11-inch hands. I don't know what that means, but he's got big old mitts he can hit you with. But I just loved his ability from the inside and outside. And it wasn't like he was bouncing around. At Iowa in 2021, he was a B-gap player. He was inside, eight and a half tackles for loss and seven sacks. Flips to the outside in 2022. Plays there, creates 31 hurries, 10 and a half tackles for loss and six sacks. He never started a game. We've been through that. Iowa, for some reason, kind of generates their starting lineups like it's a 1968 college basketball program where seniors and juniors <laughs> start i mean lucas van ness was one of if not this team's both sides of the ball best players for two years running so let's just get that out of the way he didn't start because kirk ferns thinks it's 1971 still in iowa city and maybe it still is but i just i just think about pairing him with an aiden hutchinson and a josh pascal and how they can move that around outside of it a lynn mcneil's like yeah, this isn't your interior defender, but like Hodgson, like Pascal, this is a guy who can give you double-digit inside reps and you're not going to hurt. I mean, he was one of the best run defenders in the country at edge while just kind of getting into his pass rushing prowess. The kid's only got one or two moves. Get with him. Work with him. He's young. There's something to mold here. And like I said, call me boring for sticking with these two. Like, I, I left Indy feeling more reinforced than those guys. You know, I, I knew Witherspoon was going to be at number six for me. I didn't know how I was going to play my board out and Van Ness was sitting right there at 18. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my guy. Like, that's my guy. The only concern I have with that is if he's there or not. I mean, people are starting to warm up to the kid. I think Jeremiah had him as a top 10 pick in his recent mock. And that's the only thing that scares me because this is a guy that I see. I'm like, that's a fit right there. That's like a freshman college version of Aiden Hutchinson right there, both personality, how they talk. And I just think there is like something to mold here inside outside versatility i mean that's what aaron glenn wants to be about and he gives them even more i mean you, you're worried about keeping playing time for james houston a pick like this kind of keeps a role for james houston while supersizing your defensive line and your edge for the future and i just think that's the way to go i mean this is one of my guys i mean if back-to-back mocks sending these two to detroit doesn't tell you that let me just tell you that Vanessa and witherspoon those are two of the Ravens' darlings this year. Brad Holmes was asked directly about the <laughs> idea of drafting a guy in the first round who did not start in college. And his quote, I'm just going to read it verbatim, is, I'd probably be a little hesitant because you always want to forecast that and you want to get more of a sure thing, especially when you're picking that high. Did that quote ring out in your ears at all while mocking and best to Detroit for a second time? No, it, it didn't because it's not like it was. Uh, I was trying to think of that USC quarterback that never started a game in high school or college and went to the NFL, or <laughs> but it didn't because it's a situational thing. It's an Iowa thing. It's a Kirk Ferentz thing. I mean, he was still among Iowa's leaders and snaps on the defense side of the ball and not just on the line. So I just think 
just chalk that up to goofiness, old school yeah. goofiness. Like it really doesn't concern me. I know my my eyes got stuck in the back of my head at the way that question was asked because I'm just like, just ask him about Lucas Van Ness if you're gonna play it like that. But just no, no concerns. I don't care if he started or not. You know, he was he was one of their best players and one of their highest percentage snap guys still. So I'm all good. So we're running low on time. We gotta get to Kent here in just a second. But to move into to my 18 pick, uh, I got the line taking uh, Joey Porter. Junior, the cornerback uh, out of Penn State. I don't know if he'll still be there 18, but I think that's his I think that's his range. I think he's the third cornerback at best. I think Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon have really separated themselves, the top two guys at that position. Him with a lot of receiver needs and offensive line needs in the teens. There's a real good chance I think that Porter is there at 18. And if the Lions do go other directions with their first pick other than corner and they're still looking for a corner, which they badly need. Like I teased before, I it would not surprise me to see the Lions move up maybe to 14 with the Patriots or something like that to get their corner if if they're truly concerned. But I think they can sit tight until 18. There's a real good chance that Joey Porter is going to be there. If he's not, I think Deontay Banks yeah. is also a good fit. He might be more in the early 20s range, but in that case, you could tr- you could trade out of 18, try to, and pick up more resources and still get your corner. I think these are all winning scenarios where you get a high-end pass rusher plus a corner. Both of them can start from day one. Porter is, yeah, I like Gonzalez and Witherspoon more. Porter would still be not only a really good player, but a really good fit for okay. Detroit. He's a physical press man guy, six foot two, 194 pounds, extremely aggressive. Allowed 15 catches last year, one foul for 143 yards. He's got the goods and he's also got the attitude. And that is something we're just running out of time, but that's something that Aaron Glenn also mentioned that he's looking for in cornerbacks. It's not just, you know, size and speed and all that stuff, but an attitude, you know, and I, I don't know if Jeff Okuda has exactly what they're looking for, to be honest with you, but you know, that's, that is something that Aaron Glenn is looking for a guy who is going to have that mentality. That dog mentality, I think, is what the order seems to me to have that. I mean, his dad is Joey Porter, first of all. So he's got some DNA sure. as far as that goes. But I mean, he goes, Joey Porter Jr. goes to the combine and says stuff like, I'm going to make life miserable for you. I'm CB1 for a reason. I'm the best corner here. And I want to show that. And he played like that, Ben. He was an aggressive, aggressive dude on the field and just smothered receivers with aggressive man coverage. And the Lions play a lot of men. They play man more than just about anyone else in the league. And they're looking for that aggressiveness in the corners. That's why they love Jerry Jacobs so much. And I just think that pairing a high-end athlete and player like Joey Porter with another physical guy like Jerry Jacobs, and then you can slide Jeff Okuda maybe into the slot. Then I think you are onto something way better than, you know, what you had before. No, for sure. Like you just said, the swagger. I bet you he had a pretty good handshake too. The Lions are looking for a good firm handshake. But Antoine Randall L played with his dad for five years. I'm sure he can let you know about this kid, what his dad was about and how he was raised and stuff. Because I mean, he just he just screams everything you just said. And I mean, six foot two, 34 inch arms built to play man press coverage. And I love that we did the reverse version of this because I love how deep this cornerback class is too. I also love how kind of deep the defensive line is too. So I kind of like that we're doing it backwards. But that's all I got to add. There's nothing wrong with Porter. And Deontay Banks is one of my personal favorite prospects in this draft. So there's nothing wrong there with him at all. Oh, yeah, man. You were going. Your, your eyes <laughs> were watching that large. testing. I'm like, I knew yeah. it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got him. I think he's good, too. I just like other guys a little bit more. But th- like, 
it's just what I said before, Ben. This cornerback class, for sure, you're going to find good players. All through, there could be five or six of them taken in the first round, and there's more available on day two. And I love the idea of Witherspoon, and I love the idea of Gonzalez. I just think to get those guys, it's going to have to happen at six, probably, yeah. or a trade in the, the like eight to ten range. Whereas, like, if you're going to get a high edge rusher, you have to get that guy in that range, but. With cornerback, that's not necessarily true. I think you can still get really high-end players in this draft later in the first round, and that's kind of where my thinking lives right right now. So let's move along, Ben. I'm, I'm really excited to get to our guests. So let's bring in, in Kent Platt right now to, I don't know, pump up RAS and explain a little bit where it came from. Pretty excited. All right, Ben, we got Kent E. Platty, without further ado, joining us now. And if I told you what he was wearing for this 924 AM, I don't think people would believe me. <laughs> Kent, how you doing, man? Fantastic, man. Glad to be on. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see you. The the mustache. I mean, I have a stash these days and I'm really enjoying it, but yeah. I'm like, I'm feeling a little ashamed right now, to be honest. Oh, it's the best way to live, man. It, it, everybody's got to start with something, but you can all have a glorious mustache if you want to. Yeah, I didn't know silent movie stars were allowed to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Only about football. Only about football. Just to paint the picture real briefly, it's a handlebar mustache, just like like the Monopoly man, I think had one. I mean, it's it's as cartoonish as you can imagine. I mean that in the best possible way, Kent. <laughs> I'm going for. All right, Kent. So we already we already teased the folks what we're going to talk about, but it's been you know as a Lions beat writer, it's been really fun to watch this guy that I knew from Twitter, then create this metric that I'm like, hey, this is pretty like not only interesting, but it's like very useful. And to now where it's like, I just see like mainstream media stories, like, oh, here's Anthony Richardson's RAS. Like it's just like yeah. almost institutionalized in the in the draft process. So I was wondering, I mean, we've we've already basically touched on the, the elevator pitch of what RAS is, but if you want to like maybe just walk folks through that. And I'm also, I'm very curious, Kent, where the hell did it come from? I mean, was this something that you were sitting on for a while? Or how, how did you come up with this idea and unleash it to the world? Yeah, so relative athletic scores is a zero to 10 metric that compares player athletic testing to their position group. It puts everything on a zero to 10 scale. Zero to 10 is very easy to understand. Nobody wants a zero in anything. So zero to 10 is very obvious, which is good, which is not, you know where that middle point is. And the cards themselves are stoplight color-coded. Everybody knows green, yellow, and, and red. So it makes it a lot easier to understand. And that was really the basis of the idea was providing context to the testing metrics so that fans can understand what the difference is between what these guys are running, what they're jumping, and to give a better overall picture of athleticism. The metric itself had been in my head rattling around for a while, dating all the way back to when Von Miller was in high school, because I had watched him when he was in high school just completely obliterate guys that would go on to play in the NFL. We know Kelvin Shepard in Detroit because he had coached for a bit, but it, he at one point he was running an obstacle course right before Von Miller, which is just the worst place to be. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess running it after him would be the worst place to be, but running it before him ain't, ain't much better either. But Von Miller was just it, it's insane when you when we all know that he's a fantastic athlete, but when you see it by comparison, it's just wild. So I'd had the idea for a while. In 2013, a lot of a lot of folks from from here will re remember when Le'Veon Bell came out in the draft, and we we constantly heard all these talk about how un unathletic he was as a running back. Could you take a running back early if he was as unathletic as Le'Veon Bell was? And it was 100% based on his 40-yard dash. He ran a 4.640 yard dash. And I hated that that was the discussion because he ran a 6.75 three cone, which is 
fantastic. Like that's a five eight guy running a six seventy five three cone is notable. And this is a bigger running back who ran that. And we didn't get that kind of a story because that's not the way that it was portrayed. It was portrayed as if he was unathletic because of one testing drill. And I hated that. I, I, I All those terms that get thrown around like unathletic, quick, but not fast, even the good ones like explosive and speedy, they don't really mean anything without any context behind it. And Raz provides that context. It was always meant to be, you know, fan facing so that fans can get a better idea of what that stuff means. And hopefully it seems to be working out fairly well. Like you said, a lot more people are using it these days. So correct me if I'm wrong, you are a Lions fan, correct? Yeah, I, I've been a Lions fan for a good portion of my life. I grew up in the Bay Area, so. Where, and, where, and where are you from? I'm from here in Michigan. I lived in Mama Westphalia for a long time when I was oh, yeah. younger. I grew up on a farm and I moved around quite a bit after that. So most parts of Michigan, I'm, I'm at least that's part, partly from. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw Ben's eyes light up. Ben's from Greenville. So yep. not, not <laughs> too far for a minute. <laughs> there for a minute. And Sand, Sand Lake and Cedar Springs. Up that oh, way. Ben. Yeah, you're just checking off uh, the Montcalm County checklist. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt too much, but I'm actually sitting in Sand Lake as we do this <laughs> at my at my at my folks' house. Oh, that's, that's wild. I was in Cedar Springs last night. Shout out. So RES, Ken, it, it's been like, what's it been like for you to see it blow up as much as it has? Because like I said, it's not just like this blog thing that some fan is doing. It's a metric that like, mm. it's like mainstream media. I, I've heard about scouts looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious what all that has been been like for you as the guy who you know gave birth to it yeah i never would have saw it used the way that it has been in in 2013 when i put the stuff together it was literally just an excel spreadsheet that i had and it, it got too big for just having an excel spreadsheet with calculations so i stored the data there and i made code around it to make it a little bit more robust and that got too big so i eventually had to build an entire program out of it that got too big and I had to build something else out of it. So eventually it all got online. This is 2017 when everything got put online. And this is res.football. If anybody wants to check it out, you can look up any of the players from 1987 to today. There's 23,000 players in the database right now. Hmm. But the idea, again, was just to help have a fan-facing thing, right? It wasn't to become some big tool for, for all these different sites. But I've been on the, the New England Patriots website, has had an article every day covering the combine, and they quoted my metrics on there. I've been on MSN fantasy page for the last couple of years. I've done <laughs> interviews with team media. That kind of stuff was never were in the back of my head that this stuff was going to go on. Yeah. Um, and, and now you're on MLive. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> back, with the, back with the big boys. I am um, eating. I am eating. <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun. It's tough because it's it's not a metric that is designed to be used analytically. It, it still does, and I do it myself. I, I find different ways to analyze trends and things like that. Mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been analyzing trends since my entire adult life. So it's just the thing that I like to do, but that's not really the purpose of it. And I think that's part of why it's been picked up because you can look at it and in a bubble, just one player's card, and you can get a good idea, a good sense of the type of athlete that player is. It is really intuitive. And I think that is part of the reason why, it, I mean, I like it. What does a, a 40 inch vertical mean? It can mean different things for different players in different positions, different years, whatever. But then you look at like an Anthony Richardson RAS card. And it says 10.0 and you know, the zero to 10 scale, you already know, oh, okay. This is like a transcendent historical performance. What, what did you think as the RAS guy? We all knew Anthony Richardson was going to test really well, but what did you think of what you saw and the numbers that came in? Yeah. So I, obviously I have a little bit more knowledge of the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and Cam Newton, as great of an athlete as Cam Newton was, 
when he came out, you know, that the numbers that he put up were very beatable. Those it's it's not like Calvin Johnson, who's probably never gonna be dethroned as the 10-0 guy for wide receiver. You know, the quarterback number has been pretty beatable, but we've never had a guy beat it. And part of it is because Lamar Jackson didn't test. Malik Willis didn't test. Kyler Murray didn't test. A lot of these really superb athletes at cornerback have opted out of testing because they don't need to show it. They don't need to prove that they're really good athletes. And Anthony Richardson is in a tough class. He's not considered a consensus number one guy. There's people who have doubts about whether or not he can even be a first round pick, which I think is ludicrous. But you know, he he felt like he had something to prove, and then he did at the combine, and he blew everybody out of the water, and it seemed effortless. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun to watch him do that, even though we knew he had that in him. Watching him blow those numbers out and and just put everybody to shame, so to speak, was really fun. I love watching that stuff. Do you feel, I don't know, because when I was growing up, the combine would get a little love on TV and it would just be 40-yard dash, how many bench press reps? Do you feel that you've kind of helped change the way it's covered or perceived by fans or how networks covered or anything like that? Because it's like, there's more people talking about 20-yard split and three-cone drills than I've ever had in my life these last couple of years. Do you kind of feel responsible for that? I hope I've had some impact on it. I I, I feel like it's helped, at least amongst the, the, the diehards, the guys that have been following the draft, draft a lot more. I feel like a metric league res gives, gives something else that we can talk about because we have that context now. So we can talk about how good some of these performances are. And we added tooling in the last year. We're able to do player side-by-side player comparisons, which I, I think is a fantastic addition. I had I had a kid come on last year as an intern, Eric, who did a great job of building out some additional tools for us. We can do side-by-side comparisons and it just pops up. There's You don't have to sit there and enter anything. You just put the, the players that you want to compare and it pops right up. You can see those side-by-sides. And I saw the one with Anthony Richardson. I, I mean, just from a Lions perspective, because he is he's in that discussion. I, don't, I, I personally don't think they'll take him, but I think he's in the discussion more right. than a lot of people wanted to admit sure. so i've been kind of tracking that stuff and we saw what he did and it's it, fun it speaks for itself but then i saw it hard comparing it to the average quarterback <laughs> like <laughs> basically twice the athlete twice the size like yeah it and like, it's it's fun too because like the guy that previously held the 10 at quarterback was cam newton cam yeah. newton was a three-time pro bowler he was a, a former mvp he made it all the latest super bowl he was an all pro the guy that held it before him was dante culpepper who was a three-time pro bowler and all pro you know, these aren't, these aren't just randoms. No. It's, it's funny when we have guys like that though, because the, the defensive end guy that has 10.0 per defensive end is a guy named Brian Johnson. He was a seventh round pick from the chiefs some years ago, and he's held on to that since then, but there's such a gauntlet after him because you have miles Garrett, Mario Williams, Kyle Vandenbosch, Javon curse, but the number one guy no one knows no. Nobody has any idea who this dude is. And then there's just this gauntlet of monster pass rushers. And it's really fun to see that that difference for position to position when you have guys like that. It's it's wild doing those comparisons to Jack. Jack Campbell, the linebacker this year, you know, a lot of people had questions about his athleticism and he blew it out. I was talking to a, a Panthers podcast yesterday and they immediately, of course, compared him to Keekley. He compared almost exactly to TJ Watt. And you're not you're not looking at the on-field play. You're looking at the athletic traits. But regardless of what you want to do with a guy, if he's as athletic as TJ Watt is, you've got options. There's there's things you can do with that guy, you know? Right. I mean, so we're driving at kind of the complexity of NFL evaluation, which is there are so many different things you have to look at. Most importantly, can the guy play ball? Like his technique, is he a scheme fit? There's so many things that you have to look at that make certain players good fits for, for 
teams, maybe not good fits for others, whatever. It all goes into the evaluation. It's a complicated process. It's why there's a lot of variance, I would say, in the success of the results, even despite the amount of money and time now put into the evaluations. But I think the through line of everyone is in today's NFL, you need premium athletes. And that's basically true across the board, like outside of specialists. And I'm curious when it comes to RES, I guess to, to focus on the lines a little bit, you, you mentioned trends and you like to look at trends and it's not really what RES is des designed for, but have you noticed trends when it comes to Detroit? And I guess in particular, this regime, have you noticed anything in particular they're looking for in, in terms of the athletic profile? Yeah, this the last couple of, of team general managers have done the same thing in the early rounds for the most part. They generally favorize, favored athleticism early. Brad Holmes definitely favors it more than Bob Quinn and Martin Mayhew yeah. did overall the entirety of the draft. Um, he wants athletic guys. He wants guys that are able to move in space. The biggest trend that we've noticed as far as a shift between regime to regime is the linebacker core from Matt Patricia to Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. Because there was a size limit on Matt Patricia's guys. He had to have bigger guys with longer arms. He wanted those big guys that could, that could you know, get burly in, in the phone booth. But Brad Holmes wants guys with range. He doesn't care about how small a guy is. Rodrigo was one of the smallest linebackers to come out last year. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't matter that he, he set a record for the highest bench press for a linebacker ever. But I mean, he bench pressed himself, I think it was 30, 36 times, something like that, some ridiculous number. And, you know, that that's just, that's a level of athleticism that you just got to respect. And I think Brad Holmes has a good handle on that. He's talked before about how he values many different analytics. And that's one of the reasons it was, it was a good thing that he was brought in here. He talked about when Cooper Cup was drafted and how he didn't run the best 40, but they had late, you know, the, the electronic timing on him from when he played, you know, the miles per hour and that stuff that showed that he could get fast. And that was a really good pick. We're seeing it with Amon Ross St. Brown. He's <laughs> not a guy that's going to be a slave to the numbers. He's paying attention to them. He's making picks based upon those numbers in part, but he's not just looking at the raw numbers. He's looking past that. And that's what you want from a general manager. You want them to have that awareness. That's an interesting response, Ken. I guess to drill down even a little bit further, at cornerback, have you noticed any trends? And I ask this because there's a lot of discussion about the first round corners in Detroit. Ben and I let off this this podcast. We were discussing our, our mock drafts coming out of the combine. Yeah, ben had Devon Witherspoon to Detroit at number six. Obviously, Christian Gonzalez is in that mix as well. And then Joey Porter, I had him to Detroit number 18. There's Deontay Banks behind those guys. I guess I'm curious the trends, if you see any when it comes to cornerback and how that can be applied to this year's classes as Detroit looks forward at that position. Yeah, and I actually just added a little bit before the combine, I added all NFL rosters to the website now at, at mm. my site. So you can go look at the Detroit Lions team roster and what their rest is across the board. And right beneath that table, you have a bunch of smaller tables that have what the average of those players are. So if you want to see what the average cornerback is, their average RAS is 7.88. So that's very high. They tend to favor athletes. And I think a lot of the guys that they have that are lower on that mark are the guys that they brought in for special teams. 
The average corner on the roster is over six foot. They run an average of a four or five. They don't, so they, they favor faster guys, but not necessarily, you know, the burners, the best 40, 40 time in the quarterback group is four, four, seven. You know, they, they really favor explosive guys though. The average vertical is 37 and a half inches, which is a very good vertical for a corner. And their average cone is 6.91, which is a very good cone time. So we can tell just by the trends of what they have on the roster that they tend to like taller corners. They don't necessarily focus on speed, but they focus on explosion and agility very much, very highly. So we can apply that to the guys that we see in the draft. And you mentioned a couple of guys that tested very well. You know, we have Joey Porter who tested very well. We have Christian Gonzalez, who's an option at, at sixth overall. Devin Witherspoon didn't test. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure if he does end up testing, he'll be fairly close to where Christian Gonzalez is in testing. He's a very good athlete. But you look at guys like Clark Phillips, who didn't really test all that well. I don't know that he's going to be an option for the way that Brad Holmes has brought in cornerbacks because he doesn't really fit within that mold. So it gives you a good idea of, of what the team has prioritized just by looking at what they have now. And you mentioned that Jack Campbell is kind of someone who kind of surpassed those on-field expectations. Was there anybody coming into the combine that did test that kind of like a little more yellow, a little more red than you were expecting? Just kind of wondered <laughs> that from this year's pool. So I mentioned Clark Phillips. He's a very good cornerback. He has some of the best ball skills in the country at corner, but he didn't test like people expected to. Jordan Addison, the wide receiver, was the guy that people expected to just blow everybody out of the water with testing. Very pedestrian numbers from him. One guy that I personally was disappointed with, his testing should not disappoint most people, but me personally was, was Siaki Hika, defensive tackle from Baylor. He tested like a typical nose tackle. It's perfectly acceptable testing. <laughs> I don't want anybody to think that I'm dogging his testing from a general standpoint. I personally expected him to test a lot better than that because I love really athletic big men. That's one of my favorite things to talk about on Twitter. When Aline McNeil was drafted, I actually left nice. my job at Pro Football Network covering the draft. I left there to go hang out with the Pride of Detroit guys to celebrate Ali McNeil getting pissed. <laughs> I, I could have celebrated the earlier picks, but no, that was the one that I was excited for. I love athletic big guys, and he didn't really test as well as I had kind of yeah. hoped to. The biggest one, though, that I think was a letdown was Keishon Boutte out of Louisiana State. A lot of people expected him to test really well, and he just didn't. He doesn't have the same kind of hype that we've had for guys coming out in previous years, the same kind of tape even from guys we've had in previous years that didn't test all that well. Calvin Ridley came out a few years ago didn't test all that well but no one should have cared those numbers that he had was perfectly fine for the ways that he plays we saw that with t higgins who's been a superstar for cincinnati he didn't test all that well but for what he does he tested just fine there's context behind those numbers keishan Boutte doesn't have that his testing goes against what you want to see on tape it doesn't look like the type of testing you would expect for how he plays. And that's going to be concerning for some teams. You know, four or five is a fine 40 yard dash time. But when teams expect you to run significantly better than that, that's going to be worrisome. If you're going to be expected to go up for a football and be physical at the point of attack, you can't jump a 29 inch vertical. That's less than 10th percentile, about, about fifth percentile, which is terrible. Those kind of numbers are really going to hurt you. So we had a couple. We've actually, but we're pretty fortunate at this year's draft. We, we didn't really have a lot of guys test below expectations. Everybody did pretty good this year. So take that for what it was, guys. Guys did good. <laughs> <laughs> we're running up against it time-wise a little bit. Ken, I have two more questions for you, and we'll get you out of here. The first is, you know, we talked about corners and some other positions. They want defensive linemen to, to rebuild this 
continue rebuilding this this defense. And we've, Ben and I have talked a lot about the pass rushers. I had them taking Tyree Wilson at six. There's some other guys in that discussion as well, particularly at 18 probably. I'm curious just yeah. what you thought of that class at the Combine and, and their athletic profiles. It's a pretty good pass rusher class. I feel like the Lions have a bigger need on the interior, and they've got a couple of really good options in Brian Bressy, obviously Jalen Carter, if all that legal stuff ends up being being clear for him. And Kalijah Cansey. Yeah. Lions fans, if Lions get Kalijah Cansey, there's going to be some insane stuff because the Lions <laughs> missed out on Aaron Donald. And the closest athletic cup for yeah. Kalijah Cansey is Aaron Donald. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we're, there's going to be some people going nuts if the Lions were to make that selection. And he does have an insane first step that first step that he has is brutal to pat to, to pass blockers but he's not he's not Aaron Donald guys it, it he's really good but you gotta temper expectations <laughs> the edge class is really good I really like a lot of the edges outside of the first round Adebaware was the big one at the combine who had just insane numbers and just the kind of physical profile if you ever see it if you see his comment performance you'll see him physically and his size and his athletic build is so crazy the moment you see it you're like oh this guy's gonna test late it doesn't make any sense and then he does and it still doesn't make any sense really good athlete probably gonna go outside of the first and maybe even the second round but those are the kind of performances i would look for for this team they like their athletic offensive linemen aiden hutchinson had one of the best cone times of any defensive lineman in the history of the nfl and the lions are looking for those kind of guys guys that have that athleticism and there's quite a few guys in this class nolan smith got the big play because of how fast he was i'm still a little worried about using him as an edge rusher because of his size i, I always have those reservations when there's not a lot of data to back up success stories but the level of athleticism he has was bonkers so there's a lot of good options in this class lastly Kent you're, I'm, I'm just curious you're at this like nexus between being a Lions fan and also being like the guy with his like finger on the on the pulse of the athletic profiles of these guys which is a huge component of the of any NFL evaluation so I'm curious do you have a favorite guy or two that you want for the Lions in the first round given you know you have obviously understand their desires and and the needs and the the athletic component to the evaluation yeah, I've got my favorites. Everybody everybody has their guys, right? And I'm, I'm no different. If the Lions do go cornerback, which we know is a need for the team, I'm a really big fan of Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. From an athletic standpoint, both of those guys just blow up on tape. They show up every single moment you watch them. They go from a standstill to full tilt in, in so fast. It's, it's, just, it's just a blink and you miss it type moments. And the way that they play fits with the way that Aaron Glenn likes to run his defense. So there's a stylistic fit there that really makes them good options for the team. Joey Porter has a lot of that athleticism on tape. I, I'm not quite as, as sure with him as a scheme fit for the team, but he has that athleticism that you really want. And he has a lot more length than people were. Con there was concerns about his length. And I, I think he had like 34 inch arms yeah. or something like that. There's no concern about that anymore. And then of course we mentioned Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell is a phenomenal athlete. And this, I, I was actually talking to just yesterday, some of the guys that people expect not to test well, and then they do. I had a couple of guys in this class that I was like, what do you mean he's not going to test well? He looks like a fantastic athlete. And Jack Campbell is one of those guys for me. I expected him to test well. I was told that he wasn't going to, and then he did. And it's like, see, told you, I'm not crazy. He was one of those guys. Another one was Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Yeah, He's a fantastic running running back, phenomenal runner. And there was a lot of talk about how he was going to, he was going to disappoint at the combine. He did not. He was one of the best testers at the combine. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, who 
that was the entire conversation was how he wasn't going to do very well at the combine. And he was one of the best testers at the combine. He has some of the best agility drills ever. And that's what you should have been seeing on tape. I, I felt like I was taking crazy pills every time I talk, <laughs> talked about him as a player. Because it's like, yeah, he's not going to run a 4-4, but everything else about him as an athlete screams just a total baller in the NFL. And he did really well, and I'm glad that people are catching back up to the fact that maybe they were wrong a little bit when they were talking about it before. Kent Lee Platty is the mastermind behind Relative Athletic Score. The website is ras.football. You can find all the player cards there. Kent is all over Twitter at Math Bomb. Really good follow in, in Lions world and these days generally in the NFL. Yeah, it's been a joy catching up with you and hearing about your your story and your successes and really appreciate your insights here coming into draft season. Appreciate you guys having me on. It's always fun. Hope you guys bring me back and we can talk about all the great athletes the Lions draft in a couple of months. Absolutely. Or the Jelani Tobias, right? Yeah, T's and Jelani's. Yeah. None of those. None of those. They've, they've come a long way in the last couple of years. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.